0: podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We're your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we are discussing episode 42 of The Story of Yanxi Palace, or Yanxi Gonglue. This podcast is in English, with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. A friendly reminder to go vote on our website for the drama you want us to discuss next. We also just published our 2022 wrap up and review podcast episode where we talk about ours and your favorite dramas of 2022. So go check it out if you have not yet. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or else email us at Karen and Kathy at chasingdramas.com. This particular podcast episode consists of a drama episode recap some contemporary commentary, and then we will move on to the culture and history portrayed in this episode. In episode 41, in the prior episode, we find that the imperial family is currently vacationing in Yuan Yuan, the summer palace for the empress dowager's birthday. The former consort, Xian, is now the empress. Consort Chun has been promoted to Chun Guifei and has Yu Fei, the mother of the fifth prince, with her in her camp. Elsewhere, Fu Hong has jetted off to war in Sichuan. This little visit gives Ying Luo, who has been stationed here for the last 2 years, the opportunity to see her good friend Mingyu, who is now under the employ of Chun Guifei. Except This Chun Guifei is no longer as kind as she once was. Ying Luo, who manages to get Mingyu alone, discovers that Mingyu has been injured, and with the help of her old friend, the imperial doctor Ye Tian Shi, they ultimately find that Mingyu has been injected with numerous silver needles into her bloodstream that, unfortunately, will most likely kill her. Now we turn to episode 42. Ming Yu finally tells Ying Luo the truth about why she has been so cold to Ying Luo earlier. For the last two years, Chun Guifei has treated Ming Yu pretty well, but three days ago, Ming Yu discovered that Chun Guifei's headmaid, Yu Hu is in an amorous liaison with the eunuch who used to lead the charcoal department the year that the seventh prince's fire broke out that ultimately killed the baby. Because this eunuch was not working that day, he was able to escape punishment. At first, Ming Yu didn't think much about this, but then the Yu Yuhu informed Chun Guifei and then injected Ming Yu with the needles. It's pretty obvious that they want to threaten Ming Yu to remain silent about seeing Yuhu with this eunuch. The implication here is that because This eunuch helped Yu Hu and Chun Guifei with something he was tasked to leave and thereby saving his life. It was at this moment, Ming Yu starts suspecting that the death of the seventh prince may have had something to do with Chun Guifei. Ying Luo takes the evening to think through the events and decides that they must take revenge against Chun Guifei. At their present state, they do not have the power nor ability now to take on one of the most powerful women in the palace, and so Ying Luo, after reminiscing about her past with both the Empress and Fu Hong, decides to take matters into her own hands. She, at this moment, is driven only by revenge. The next day, she sets her plans in motion. She asks for help from the imperial guard Hai Lan Cha and also purposefully distracts her adoptive brother Yuan Chun Wang. The next day is the empress dowager's birthday and it is a grand affair. The emperor, empress dowager, and the women in the imperial harem are present for the festivities. So is Ying Luo. She's there, of course, as a maid. First up... For activities for the day is for the Empress Dowager to let a flock of birds go free. This is called Fangsheng or Life Release, which is a Buddhist practice. Somehow, mixed among the flock of flying birds soaring through the air is a beautifully colored one. Ying Luo presents herself to the group as the maid watching over the birds and loudly proclaims that the colorful bird may be a phoenix. She is promptly shot down by Chun Guifei. The Empress Dowager, on the other hand, is quite pleased to hear this, but the present audience all claim that Ying Luo is purposefully making this up and should be punished. I find it quite funny because every single woman in the crowd from Chun Guifei to Shu P'in to even Yu Fei and as well as the Emperor are like, Ying Luo is doing something. What is she up to? Let's not let her uh, have her way. Because at this point, I don't think the Empress Dowager has met Ying Lo before, but everybody else in the palace knows that Ying Lo is quite capable. Well, Ying Lo then pipes up that she has another way of proving that today is an auspicious day with another blessed sign from the heavens. She bets her life that another heavenly sign will appear based on the koi fish in the pond. And sure enough, after the koi fish are released into the water... They disappear for a moment before swimming in the shape of the word show or longevity. This surprises the entire group. Why? Because it was the Empress who chose her eunuchs to select the koi to be released into the pond. So according to to the entire group, there was no way Yinglo could have cheated on this. Due to Yinglo's sharp wit, she also pleases the Empress Dowager very much, with the result for the Empress Dowager thinking that these omens were signs from the heavens of her kind heart. The Empress Dowager asks Ying Luo what reward she wants for this beautiful birthday gift, and Ying Luo takes the opportunity to voice her request to return to the palace and serve the Empress Dowager in Shou Kang Gong. The Emperor immediately rejects this request. He instead says that he can't give her to the Empress Dowager because he himself wants to appoint her as a woman in his harem. This shocks all of the ladies in attendance. The Empress Dowager thinks that Yinglo is worthy of the Guoyiren title or noble lady, which honestly is quite high. And before anyone says anything else though, Luo promptly thanks the Empress Dowager for this title and blessing. In this moment, she also wonders if she can make another request. She asks for Ming Yu to come serve her in the palace. This obviously displeases Chun Guifei, and you can see her eyes turn into slits to show her displeasure. And with that, Ying Lo is given the title of Noble Lady Wei, or Wei Guiren. In my humble opinion, I do think that this entire episode or this entire scene is rather contrived. The whole reason why the Emperor jumped in to give Yinglo a title as a woman of his harem is because he didn't want her to serve the Empress Dowager. He knew that she was going to be up to something, and to deny her access to the Empress Dowager, he decides to keep her for himself. I feel like there could have been so many other reasons or ways to keep Yinglo from working for the Empress Dowager, and this was not one of the best ideas. You could say that he was doing this to get back at his original thoughts on wanting to get into her pants, but who knows. I also do find it to be rather contrived that for two whole years, Mingyu had no issues working under Chun Guifei, and it just had to be three days before meeting Ying Lo, that she is suffering this fate of potentially being killed off in Yuan Yuan. I don't know. I just think that the storyline became very forced to get Ying Luo back in the palace. I also found this scene to be rather interesting because we get to see, of the ladies in the palace, who has it out for Ying Luo and who supports her. Yu Fei and Chun Guifei want Ying Luo punished and do not want her back in the palace, while the new empress and Qin don't mind. As Ying Luo packs up her things back in her rooms, no one is too happy for her. Mingyu is upset that Ying Luo did this for her, and Yuan Chunwang is absolutely livid that Ying Luo reneged on her promise to stay with him in Yuan Yuan. He is even more upset because she is going to marry the emperor aka Hongli. For you listeners, it's very important to remember that each time Yuan Chun Wang refers to the emperor, he calls the emperor by his actual name, which is quite a no-no. It caught both of our ears when we saw this episode. He's screaming at the top of his lungs, Hong Li. And we did talk about in The Empresses in the Palace how brothers of the emperor had to change their name so that they didn't have the same sounding words in their name as the emperor so the fact that a eunuch is over here screaming the emperor's name at the top of his lungs is quite telling of the type of person Yuan Chun Wang is and what he assumes his position or connections to the emperor is. In any case, Yuan Chun Wang is utterly destroyed that Ying Luo is leaving him and tells her that from that moment they are no longer related and vows to seek revenge. Honestly, I do feel pretty bad for this guy. He has severe abandonment issues, and honestly, life has treated him poorly. Too bad that his relationship with Ying is not enough, though, to offset Ying love and relationship with the late Empress. That night, the Emperor requests the presence of Ying In an upgraded outfit and hairstyle... Ying Luo walks over to the requested location with Mingyu to meet the emperor. She is forced to wait outside in the cold for over two hours. And what's interesting is that he also requests that he meet her at Changchunxiangguan, the residence of the late empress. It's not difficult to deduce that he's trying to insult her. She, of course, does not take the bait. Outside, she decides instead to drink tea and eat pastries. When she is finally told to see the emperor, she undresses to show her mourning outfit. In front of the emperor, she states that she is going to remain in mourning for the full 27 months to remember the late empress. The emperor at this point still thinks that she is just a gold digger, but cannot refute her actions here, so he lets her go. At the end of the episode, the emperor questions Hai Lan Cha as to how Ying Luo was able to make the koi swim to the longevity sign or swim in the form of a longevity sign. Hai Lan Cha doesn't hide the truth and shares that Ying Luo asked him to place food in the shape of that word for the fish to eat. From here, we realize that Ying Luo planned this all along. Her path to revenge as a woman of the emperor has started. I will also give some applause to the emperor because he fully knew that the show was just made up or, or Yingla did something to uh, cause that phenomenon. And that's it for the drama episode recap. After 40 plus episodes, we finally see Yinglo slot into her historical counterpart as a woman of the emperor. Now, for the rest of the podcast episode, we'll talk about some history. But first, we do want to discuss Ying Luo. Ying Luo now is on the path to revenge. And why does that sound so familiar? Well, because it is. She first entered into the palace to seek revenge for the death of her sister, Wei Ying Ying. And now she decides to join the emperor's harem to seek revenge for the empress. What is really fascinating is that when the drama first came out in 2018 I remember viewers saying wait how will this drama play out because we know that Wei Yingluo eventually enters the palace at some point and people were dreading a true love story between the emperor and Wei Yingluo because that's not historically accurate. Plus people would have been super pissed at the emperor and Wei Yingluo because the emperor and uh, emperors Fu Cha were so close. The drama also faced fierce competition between Rui Juan or Rui's Love in the Palace, which was literally airing at the same time, and of course Empresses in the Palace, or Zhen Huan Juan, which everyone has such strong opinions over. The reason why this drama captured the audience's attention is because this drama is focused primarily on revenge rather than romance. And we talked about this quite a bit earlier on in the drama where the only person who is was Gong dou Ing seemed to have been Gao Guifei. Gong Dou means fighting for favor in the palace. Whereas in this drama, it's literally just Ying Lua trying to seek revenge. She is not at this point really Gong Dou Ing for the sake of really getting the emperor's attention because he likes or she likes him. Unlike its competition, Rui's Love in the Palace, where the two main characters, Xianfei and the Emperor, go through romance, the bulk of this drama, Yinglo is like, nope, I just want revenge, which, quite honestly, is more satisfying to watch, even if a lot of the things to move the plot along are rather contrived. Let's move on to some History. It's important to frame timing for this drama because there's plenty of historical inaccuracies right now with regards to Yingluo's time in the palace. So let's focus right now on Wei Yingluo. Wei Yingluo was born in 1727 on October 23rd in Beijing, China, into the Han Chinese bao Yi of the Zhenghuangqi or the Plain Yellow Banner. Wikipedia has it wrong that she was born into the bordered yellow banner. Her family was promoted to that banner after she became consort. Wei Yingluo as a name is just created for the show. As with Empress Fu Cha, we don't know her full name. We'll just use Wei Yingluo because everyone's familiar with that name. Putting timelines in perspective, she is 16 years Tianlong's junior and not much is known of her earlier years. What we do know is that she was selected to enter into the palace at some point under what was called or what is called the xiao xuan or the small selection. We've talked about the selection before. Typically, the xuan xiao is what we think of when we call selection, and that is called also the da xuan or the big selection. This is where women from the eighth bordered banners are selected to enter into the palace as concubines or consorts for the emperor and other members of the royal family. The small selection is for women from the bao Yi class to enter into service into the palace as maids for the various palaces. Typically, the women were of course of Manchu descent, both from the Da Xuan and also from the Xiaoxuan. The women of Han descent were much lower on the ladder, which is where we find Wei Yingluo, as she is of Han descent. However, as we have said before, just because Wei Yingluo came from the Baoyi caste, that didn't necessarily mean that her family was poor or didn't have status. Her father and ancestors held positions in the imperial household department or also as guards. So... She didn't show up in the imperial palace with no connections. It's just that her connections or relations cannot compare to those of, for example, the empress. During the Xiao she must have caught the eye of the emperor. However, due to her young age, she did not "quote unquote" serve the emperor. So she was sent to serve as a palace maid for the empress, which is our empress Fu Cha. There aren't any records of her time spent in Changchun Gong, which is, of course, the Empress's palace. When the drama begins, we're in 1741, or six years into Tianlong's reign. Wei Yingluo at this point is around 14, which could conceivably be when she enters the palace. In history, Wei Yingluo becomes a noble lady or Guiyun in 1745, or the 10th year of Tianlong's reign. That makes her around 17 or 18. Please note that in this drama right now, we are in 1750. So it's saying that she doesn't become a noble lady until we are in 1750. As a quick reminder to our listeners, because we haven't discussed the levels in the imperial harem for quite some time, here are the ranks for Hou Gong. The lowest is, of course, Guan Yu Zi. And these women would still work uh, or serve in the palace as just maids. They are just one step above maid that can serve the emperor. Next, we have Da Ying, or second-class female attendant. And Da Ying was originally what the emperor in this drama wanted to give Ying Lo as title. Next, we have Chang Zai, or first-class female attendant. And then we have Gui Ren, which is noble lady. And that is where we find Ying Lo, the title that the Empress Dowager just gives to Ying Luo in this episode. In this current drama, Wei Ying lost, skipped like three steps to become a Guiren. This, however, is historically accurate. Well, we don't have any records saying anything to the contrary because her first recorded title is Guiren in 1745. In contrast, Wei Yanwan from Rui Duan or Rui's Love in the Palace, she actually started in the palace as a maid and was given the title of da Ying and slowly moved her way up in the palace. In that drama, she was also in the palace as the emperor's woman for much longer than we see Yinglo in this drama. I do find it funny to see the depictions of various dramas for the same woman uh, in history because most of them are historically inaccurate. Speaking of, this gets us to a little bug in the drama. Yingluo cleverly refuses to spend the night with the emperor by saying that she still has to adhere to the 27th month mourning period for Empress Fu Cha. However, in history, the new Empress Nala would not have been crowned empress until after the 27 month mourning period, which we discussed in the last podcast episode. So technically, this could not have been a really good excuse for Yingluo. However, timelines with regard to Yinglo for this drama at this point, pretty much as we've just stated, are thrown out the window. So we'll just let this slide. In 1750, Wei Luo is only about 23 or so. We'll continue to talk about Wei Yinglo's progression in the palace once we get there in the drama. Now, we also started focusing more on costumes while discussing the drama. So let's continue here as well. We do get a splendid scene of all the women in the Imperial harem wearing what is called the jifu. This is one step below in formality compared to the fu, which is what we discussed Empress Nala wearing in the previous episode. Unfortunately, we don't get, you know, really full body shots of any of the characters except for perhaps the Empress Dowager. They're all like either group shots or, you know, just from the waist up. Zifu translates to literally luck attire. This was worn for more formal occasions such as birthdays or celebrations at the ancestral temples. We just have a pretty clear visual representation of the differences. In the Qing dynasty, we think of it as the outer jacket that all of the ladies are wearing in this scene. It is typically black or a dark navy color with a circle on the chest two smaller circles on the shoulders, and then the two circles between the waist and the knees. Please note that the women also wear a collar, which we discussed in last episode as well. For this drama, the costume designers did quite a bit of research to replicate several Qing Dynasty Chaofu and Jifu for this drama. If you compare what the ladies wear in this episode, it is formal, but as I mentioned, not as formal as the empress's court attire in the previous episode. I read that what Chun Guifei is wearing is called the juhua tuan wen, which translates to a butterfly chrysanthemum image. We can see both in the large circle on her chest. However, I can't quite make out what the bird is. As for the empress, she has dragons on her chest. It's the same for the Emperor. The other women in the Imperial harem mainly have flowers for their embroidery, which fits their rank. For this scene, this is the Empress Dowager's most formal attire that we see in this drama. I couldn't find a historical counterpart, but someone online compiled this list and called it a Hei Di Jin Shen Xiu Hua Jifu, which translates to Black Base Gold Thread Flower Attire. We don't see the normal dragon here, but I do want to note that the Empress Dowager is allowed to wear dragons. We have seen the ladies wear jifu separately, but this is one of those grand affairs where the Imperial harem is out in force standing together. Please pay attention to the headdresses of each of the ladies too. I feel like they are slightly more formal with more gold and jewels, and please compare this to what the ladies were wearing to, say, the next episode. On a side note, I rather like Wei Yingluo's current made outfit. It stands out, but not too much, and I don't know if it was purposeful uh, to complete, like, the mourning period as well. It is in white, but not outstanding or outlandish. Lastly, just a super quick note on the two locations mentioned in this episode. Ting Qingyan Dian was indeed the emperor's sleeping residence while at Yuanmingyuan. It became the primary residence for the emperor during the reign of Emperor Yongzheng. It then became the favorite residence for Qing Dynasty emperors. Emperor Yongzheng actually died at Zhouzhou, Zhou Dian. It is located on a small island on the south side of Yuanmingyuan. Looking at a map, it is right after the entrance and a small lake. Changchun Xiangguan, which is where, of course, in the drama is mentioned that this is where the previous empress lived, is located very close to Jiuzhou Dian, just southwest of this particular palace. Unfortunately, Jiuzhou Dian was destroyed during the Second Opium War in 1860, but the remnants are still visible at that location. Yuanmingyuan, the park in it of itself, is absolutely massive. I remember after two hours of walking, I gave up and rented a bike to get around. I thought, how on earth did people travel in this park? And as I'm saying this right now, of course they didn't. The maize and eunuchs walked around. Everybody else had carriages or palanquins. So that was my own question answered in this discussion. But if you haven't visited, um, it is a spot to go check out in Beijing. It is quite a breathtaking sight. And that is it for today's podcast episode. Friendly reminder, if you're looking for sites to watch Chinese dramas and you're in the U.S., please head on over to our sponsor, Jubao TV. It is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch with English subtitles. You can stream it through their website, Jumo, X-U-M-O, or else you can access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour. They also launched on Sling TV. Once again, all of this is free. Thanks again so much for listening and we will catch you in the next podcast episode.